Welcome to the Get Writing Podcast. I'm your host, Liz McGavro, and I'm obsessed with all things writing, creativity, and telling your stories in your authentic voice, because I believe a good story can change the world. Ever since I was a little girl with my nose in a book, I dreamed of being an author. I wanted to see my books in bookstores everywhere. I wanted to talk about books. I wanted to soak up everything about the craft. My celebrity crushes were mostly authors and I could feel in my bones that the writer's life was my destiny. Fast forward to today. Along with my alter ego, Kate Conti, I'm an Agatha Award-nominated best-selling author with three mystery series, but it wasn't all smooth sailing along the way. I experienced many setbacks, crushing self-doubt, a lot of career detours, and I even lost my voice a few times when I let the world get in my way. Until I learned that writing was so much more than just a skill set you learned and developed over time. It's also an inside job that flourishes when you heal all the wounds that are stifling your creativity, which is no easy task. So if you're a writer of any kind, or if you've always wanted to write but aren't sure where to start, this is the place for you, my friend. We're gonna talk about all things writing process, craft, strategies to help you get writing and stay writing, the daunting world of agents, editors, and publishing, And because I'm using my authentic voice, I'm going to throw in a little woo-woo for you too. So let's get writing, shall we? I'm your host, Liz McGavro. So we've talked about self-publishing here on the podcast before from the perspective of author Tanya Kappas, who is killing it in her career, by the way. If you missed that episode, go check it out. It's episode nine. But for those who might be interested in self-publishing, but feel like you'd want someone to hold your hand through the process from writing your manuscript to publishing your product to marketing your book, then this is the episode for you. My guest today is Alexa Nazaro, the owner of Axel Author Services and an expert on all aspects of self-publishing, from writing your first drafts to publishing and marketing your book. She understands the art of writing regardless of genre, and she understands self-publishing and marketing for the independent author, which is really important because one of the things I wanted to do with this podcast was give authors and aspiring authors access to all different kinds of information that will help them in their careers, which includes all the publishing options available today. I can talk about the traditional publishing route. And I also love finding people who can talk about the self-publishing route with knowledge and expertise and the valuable information that will help authors choose the right paths for them. Alexa is definitely one of those people. So here's a bit more about her. Alexa Nazaro is the founder of Axel Author Services, an agency providing authors with turnkey support in editing, book design, and book marketing. She's worked with over 100 authors in the United States, Canada, Europe, and Australia, and has experience in all genres, including nonfiction, memoir, fiction, children's books, coloring books, and journals. A graduate from Concordia University in creative writing, she's a member of the Independent Book Publishers Association, the Alliance of Independent Authors, and the Writers' Union of Canada. Alexa is also the founder of Two Pigeons Press, a hybrid publishing house that released its upcoming middle grade book, The Whole World Opened Up, this past April. So we had a great conversation about the whole process from ideating your book to writing it to publishing it, to marketing it. Like I said, I think you're going to find this conversation super informative. So let's get into it. 
Welcome to the Get Writing Podcast, Alexa. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me, Liz. Do you want to just tell us a little bit about yourself, introduce yourself to the listeners? Sure, absolutely. So my name is Alexa Nazaro. I am the founder of Axel Author Services. We're an author services agency that really serves authors who want to do the self-publishing route, but they don't want to go at it alone. They want the support of a team of experts. So we really handle everything from manuscript assessment, developmental editing, right through to book marketing. And depending on where the author is in his or her journey, some authors just come to us for manuscript work and others want to do the full journey. So we're here to give that support. That's awesome. Have you always been interested in the creative process? Are you a writer yourself? How did you get into this? I am definitely a writer myself. I actually studied creative writing at university, so it's something I've always done. I actually published a novel a couple of months before my son was born, so that was my first big lesson about book marketing, timing a book launch appropriately, so that was that was a learning lesson for me, and I'm currently working on my own work as well. So yes, I've always been into writing, and this is a wonderful way to you know, to, to feed that creative passion. And uh, even if it's working through other authors, it's still really gratifying. Awesome. Did you, did you, are you still writing yourself or how did you decide to make the switch? So my, I, all of this started really when, when I started my own business, it started as a business communications firm. And then I ran into, I encountered a client who had this ebook and the ebook was a how-to book that really had to do directly with her own business. And she said, do you know anything about publishing? And I actually did with my own novel. And I said, yes, you know, let's make this happen. And I really enjoyed the process. Doing it with someone else offers a different perspective. It's very different from doing it for yourself. And so I just found myself starting to attract other authors who were in similar situations. They wanted that kind of assistance. And so little by little, I migrated away from business communications. And now I'm just full into author services and helping authors. So, and I do still write myself. Admittedly, it's a challenge to find the time. Sometimes I joke to myself, you know, I should make myself a client and then I will get that same attention and time that my clients get. So it's, it's a little bit of a battle. I also have children. So there's just all those factors that I think a lot of writers can relate to. Absolutely. I agree. That's a big part of what I do. So I run a membership site for writers and that's um, a big part of what we talk about. So how do we find the time? How do we make the time? And a lot of the the work that we do together is actually um, co-writing sessions. So we jump on a call, we talk about some, you know, issues related to our work, and then we just set a timer and write which people find helpful. Yes. Well, absolutely. Cause I was just talking to a client this morning and she was saying, you know, some days you feel like it, other days you don't. And I know deep down, it's not necessarily about waiting for the days that you're feeling it. It's, it's a discipline. I mean, it's weird to have creativity and discipline intersect, but I think they have to. And I know, I know I just need to find the time and it's a big, big thing. 
huge yeah, thing. Yeah, no, for sure. But it, you're absolutely right. It is a discipline. I mean, it's like a job, right? And we have to treat it like a job. Otherwise, it's very easy to put off. <laughs> oh, totally, totally. Especially when you haven't gone into a dog into a manuscript for a few days or a few months, and yeah. then it's just like you put your head in the sand. You avoid, avoid, avoid. But then you have to get back into it eventually. So these are all struggles I know all too well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you work across a lot of different genres. So. Do you have a specialty? Do you have stuff you prefer to work on? You know, it's interesting because when you run a business, there are a lot of gurus who always tell you, well, niche marketing, figure out your niche and just cater to them and it'll make your marketing so much easier and more effective. And every once in a while, I ask myself, okay, well, is it time to narrow things down? And no, I really enjoy the variety. We work, as you said, across many genres. So we've got a lot of memoir. We have nonfiction. We have um, we have children's books. We work with quite a few children's authors, and that's always fun fiction. We've done journals. We've done coffee table books featuring artwork. And I really, really enjoy the variety. My team enjoys the variety. So we're sticking with variety. That's cool. How do you, how do you help an author take their idea and get to a finished product? And does that differ based on the genre that you're working in? So most of our authors who come to us, they already have at the very least an idea, if not some kind of a first draft. So the first draft might not be fully, it might not be complete, but they usually come to us really with something that we can already work with. And certainly, I mean, the parameters, you know, the parameters of good writing and a good manuscript, it really varies with how to books or nonfiction structure is extremely important in terms of how you present an idea and then you walk the reader through that process so that they can understand and follow your train of thought. With fiction, we've got the good old, you know, character development, pacing, conflict, setting, dialogue, all of those, all of those elements. And so those are really important. So yes, depending on the genre, we definitely keep different parameters in mind, but we rarely start with an idea. But sometimes we will have authors who say, I have an outline can you just read this outline and tell me if it makes any sense? And we tend to have those probably equally between nonfiction and fiction, actually, is that just sometimes people just feel starting with an outline makes more sense. It makes it less overwhelming for them. For sure. Yes. For sure. Yeah. Do you work with a lot of repeat customers or do you, or do you work with a lot of new authors? I would say it's really, it's really kind of down the line. Obviously, when you're first starting out in a business like this, everyone's a new customer. But no, we work with, we work with plenty of repeat authors. We primarily, I would say in children's books, we tend to see a lot of repeat authors once they have a character and they want to create a series of sorts, not necessarily book one, book two, book three, but just featuring the same character and the same type of themes. So we see repeat clients, especially in children's books. Fiction, definitely in fiction, people have series going. And so, yes, we, those are the two primary genre, but I also have a woman who does a lot of artwork and she's done two books with us and she, we're currently working on book three. So yeah, we do have a lot of repeat. We do. That's cool. Um, and first timers or a lot of them first timers. Yes. I mean, when I start working with an author, when we start working with an author, they generally are first timers. We have worked with authors who've had 
previous experiences, other either with you know outfits like ours, author services, per- publishing partners, or they've done it on their own and they've realized, you know, doing it completely on my own isn't quite right for me. I need a bit of support. I for whatever reason. So yes, but a lot of them are new to the process. Hmm. So when you see a lot of new fiction authors, what do you see them doing wrong the first time out of the gate? In terms of writing or in terms of publishing or both? I, I think just approaching the the manuscript and the way they're doing it and their outlines and, you know, are they focused on the right things? Do they know how to develop yeah. characters? So I would say that probably the biggest, the thing that I find writers struggling with the most is how to weave in backstory, how to mm-hmm. establish, how to inform the reader in a way that is still enjoyable to take in because I was just reading another manuscript this week and a lot of authors, they'll do this. They'll use dialogue as an opportunity to give reports and updates to the reader. But when it's so obviously done, it's just not enjoyable to read. So I would say the primary thing that I notice is authors just really struggling with how do I weave in all this backstory? It's really important that people know where this character comes from, what their past is, and 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 how do you weave all of that in? And then the second thing I would say is dialogue, really making dialogue engaging. And so I always remember university professors saying dialogue has to sound like everyday language only much better. And I think mm-hmm. that's true, but it's not always an easy thing to achieve because a lot of conversations, if you eavesdrop, they're not always super engaging and interesting. So how do you take that up a notch while still making it sound natural? So I would say dialogue and weaving in backstory. Oh my gosh, without doing the whole flashback, because a lot of flashbacks can be good if they're done well, but I've had, I've read manuscripts where, ooh, we open with this really juicy scene and now suddenly we've got three chapters of backstory and you forget, what was that original scene? Where did we start off with? So those are, those are real struggles I find. So how do you help authors figure out how to do that, do those things better? So, well, when we do our manuscript evaluation process, we obviously have the manuscript, we point out all of these issues, and then what we do is we come up with a bit of a game plan, if you will. We have strict suggestions on moving forward where we give concrete examples of, okay, instead of these two paragraphs of backstory, what are the essentials at this moment in time? What does the reader absolutely need to know in this moment, and what are some other clues and other information that you can scatter later on? Because that's the challenge is sometimes I think authors just get lost. They've introduced a character, so they start giving a little bit of backstory. And before they know it, we're falling into the information dump trap, as I call it, where it's just all of a sudden it's, it's you know, one bit of information has suddenly blossomed into three pages of someone's history. And that really bogs down and it's slow. Well, it it completely paralyzes really, I find reader engagement. And then they forgot where were we starting with in all of this? So I always recommend just give readers what they need to know in that moment. And then just trust that there will be another opportunity to share the rest of that information. Yep. And what about dialogue? How do you, how do you help people do that better? Because that's a constant struggle that I see for, for writers as well. Okay, so how do I help people with dialogue? Well, the first thing I, 
the first thing I will say is I find when dialogue is poorly written, it's because people are sermonizing as opposed to discussing. So I find that a lot. If somebody is suddenly, if they've got more than a few lines that they're saying at a time, unless it's intentional, and there are times where it could really be intentional, chances are you're just not conduct, you're just not writing dialogue properly because people don't speak in mini speeches most of the time they're they'll interrupt each other they'll have a a thought that trails off so one of the first things I do is I really identify where are those chunks of dialogue and okay so what is absolutely necessary in this particular moment and and just really trying to make sure that we first figure out what are the essentials and then how can these be packaged, if you will, in a more interesting way. And I find one of the other essentials of dialogue is the people involved in dialogue, their task is also to bring out features and characteristics and traits of the other character. And that's something really important. It's not just about one person talks and then another person talks. It's there's banter. You're pulling out things from the other from the other character that then further also illuminates the reading experience for the reader. So just making sure that all of those things are being addressed in dialogue. And it's not just character one talks and then character two and yeah, I think it's really important to keep that trim to the point, but also engaging and revealing character at the same time. So making sure yeah, our characters sure. don't always talk the same, for instance. They they each need to have their own their own way of speaking. And sometimes readers aren't writers aren't aware of that. Like, oh yeah, we don't want it to be generic that it could be applied to any character. Right. And, and depending on where the book is set, there's different dialects to take into account. And Absolutely. Absolutely. Yep. Yes. Very true. And making sure that you're using appropriate lingo, you know, making sure you're using appropriate terminology because that's something, you know, sometimes, especially, I mean, I write young adult and even I sometimes realize, okay, is this really what kids are saying now? And, and just being, just being cognizant of, of those realities so that you don't, if your book is contemporary, it doesn't suddenly appear dated. So I yeah. actually consult my stepdaughter and I'll say, okay, make me a list of some of the latest words that people are using. I mean, you, you need to educate yourself because people will see it for a mile away. Oh, this person really didn't do their homework. And it just makes you lose so much credibility. Yeah, absolutely. So when people come to you, do they already have a plan in place for how they're going to get published or how they would like to be published? Or do they need your help in getting to that point? You know, I would say it's a mixed bag. I would say most authors who come to us, it's because they're really at a point where they've decided indie publishing, self-publishing is for me, for whatever reason. We do occasionally have authors. I'm currently working with someone who still would like to give the traditional route a chance, but he just wants to make sure that his manuscript is up to snuff, which of course, no matter what, whether it's indie or traditional, work on your manuscript, don't trust your first draft, and don't trust, I don't know, your your spouse, your partner, your aunt, your uncle, like really work on your manuscript, because no matter what, whether you publish it on your own, you want it to be really good. Whether you're, you know, sending out proposals to literary agents, you want it to be really good. So don't take any shortcuts there. I would strongly advise every writer, but I would, I find most writers when they come to us, they've gone through that decision-making process 
And it is an important process to go through because indie publishing isn't for everyone, much like traditional publishing isn't for everyone. You you need to decide whether this is something you're ready to embark on because it's it's frankly a huge undertaking. It really is. Yeah. Do you help authors with the publishing journey as well? The self-publishing yes, journey, ab- I guess. Absolutely, of course. So once a manuscript is done and we feel it's solid because we we never encourage authors take the shortcut. Obviously, for some books, the the objectives are different. For some authors, their book is essentially an extension of their business. It's a business card. And so there the, the you know, the objective is just to make sure that the book has all of that relevant information and that it's organized in an effective an engaging way. But even when it comes to fiction, especially people who want to embark on a series, well, you want to make sure every book is really, really good. So once definitely, once a manuscript is strong and it's it's polished, then absolutely we can walk authors. Well, we don't just walk them through it. We take care of it. And that's that's the thing is that we really, we tell an author, you're your book is in our hands. You're still a part of the process. So this is something I regularly have to explain because I find the word publisher has come to mean so many different things and so many different collaboration models. We're always very clear and transparent. We aren't a publisher. You, the author, remain the publisher, but we will take care of publishing the book for you. So we do book design. We figure out book categories, retail price. We'll write the synopsis, the author bio. We'll figure out all of that metadata. We'll produce the book. But ultimately, not only do you, the author, remain the publisher, but you have complete input every step of the way because I always tell authors my goal is simple, is I want you, the author, to look at your published book and feel like it's really your own. It wasn't hijacked by some company and they did a cover that you're not really getting, that you don't really connect with. You have to connect with your book. You have to be really proud of your book and it has to stand alongside traditionally published books and be comparable in terms of quality and design and everything else. But you have that support of a partner while still retaining all the creative and financial control of self-publishing. Yep. Yeah. I've had, I've talked to a couple of, I have some friends who are self, who self-publish their books and it's so interesting. Um, I had a conversation recently with a, with an author friend of mine who has been self-publishing for a long time. And when we both were kind of starting out, self-publishing was not as accepted as it is now. Right. And now mm-hmm. it's, it's a whole different ball game. So do you think this is one of, you know, I mean, obviously everyone has to make their own choice, but do you think this is, um, a more, um, ex- not, not just accepted, but do you think more authors are choosing to go this route today than, than before? Absolutely. I definitely, I mean, at the end of the day, and it's, we don't just say this because we want more business. The fact of the matter is landing an agent and landing a traditional publishing contract that is of actual value is frankly, it's so difficult. I mean, I worked with an author a couple of years ago. She thought she was so close to getting a literary agent. The literary agent said, just, you know, just add a little bit more about this and a little bit more about that. And she worked and it's hard. I mean, you, you also know it's, I mean, once you consider a manuscript done, suddenly you're being told to go back in and extend this part and add more here. And it feels 
it feels like you're intruding on a finished product and it's 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 not it's not the easiest task in the world she sent the literary agent the new manuscript the literary agent said good it's good but i i still can't take it on and she was devastated so it's so hard and that's just the pit stop of getting a literary agent then you're counting on this agent to hopefully find a publisher who's interested in the manuscript so we're not just saying it, it's just a reality. And I think a lot of writers are aware of the opportunities with self-publishing. I would say, though, that I still find there is quite a bit of stigma attached to self-publishing. And it's definitely much better. No doubts about it. Indie authors and indie publishing, we've really made a lot of progress. But the fact of the matter is, you know, you start looking at book awards and eligibility requirements. And more often than not, no, we're not accepting self-published authors at this time. So there is still that perception. I still run into bookstore owners who are a little bit, oh, is it self-published? If it's self-published, I need to look at the book. And I get it because there is still a lot of subpar products being made out there, which still kind of blows my mind considering all the resources we have at our disposal. But I still find there are a lot of amateur self-published work. So I understand that skepticism. I understand, but it's also hard because if you're doing it all properly, well, you want to get that recognition. No, no, I, I can, I can play with all of these. I can play against the traditional authors, but it's just getting that chance. And there's still a gap there, I find. Yeah, agree. So do you, you help people actually put, get their books um, in, in bookstores? Yes, we, we certainly do. But this is one of the things that I always tell authors, because interestingly enough, I find this is still this is still the pot at the end of the rainbow for a lot of authors. Is my book going to be in Barnes and Noble? And are they going to stock my book? And we're very honest with authors. There are so many books being published all the time relative to available shelf space in any bookstore. What we always recommend authors do is start building direct relationships with bookstores. And we certainly assist with this. We can design promotional materials, sell sheets, all of those all of those things that any bookstore would want to see. But we find that this is a really good way to get started for two reasons. A, you have a much better chance of getting stocked in the bookstore, so you get that experience. But B, you also retain a lot more control because, as you know, you know, bookstore returns are a reality. And I've worked with authors where suddenly the book was getting stocked in bookstores. And at first, it's exciting. And then, oh, well, yeah, some of the books were returned because, of course, this whole bookstore return thing, it's just, it can yeah. really, it can really be costly for authors. So you pop the champagne, sometimes you do it a little too early. So what I always tell authors, especially if you're new to this, start direct, supply books directly to the bookstores, you retain a lot more control, you spare yourself those returns. And at the same time, you build that experience of what it's like working with a bookstore, having author events, because frequently bookstores are really friendly to indie authors, in my experience anyways, and they're happy to host the author for a book signing. And you get your feet wet but gradually, and you're not just suddenly thrown into this world and you don't really know what's going on. Yeah. So basically, you're, it's like a consignment? It's cons Yes. Yeah. So what we do okay. is we recommend starting with consignment agreements. And I just find authors enjoy that process a lot more. And then, and it also is a very viable way of starting to gain credibility because the fact of the matter is the average indie author, unless they suddenly have this tremendous media attention, 
they're not just going by default to be stocked in bookstores. It still remains a very difficult thing. And I prefer being transparent and upfront about that than to just promise things. Because sometimes people will, you know, they'll say things like, oh, well, put your book up in a distribution system that makes your book available to hundreds of retailers. And this is very true. We do that too through platforms like Ingram Spark. But that is not synonymous with actually having physical copies in a bookstore. And it's it's there's quite a learning curve I find that some authors have to understand, especially older authors for whom that bookstore placement really holds a lot of value. But I would say even younger authors, we all want our books in bookstores, don't we? We all do. Yeah. And, you know, it's not just self-published authors who have trouble getting books in bookstores. I'm traditionally published. I, I ju- my 18th book just came out and the, the bookstore that's nearest to me, it's a smaller, newer store. Yeah. They don't even carry the genre. Okay. Yeah. So, well, there you go. So you see, it's, it's something that people have to really understand. It's, it's really tough. It's really tough. And sometimes even just to go back to, you know, the, I don't want to start going too much into the, the pros and cons of traditional versus indie, but I have worked with authors. I remember we did a book signing for an author and uh, that same day there was a traditionally published author in the same store and we, we were all ready. We had banners, we had giveaways, we had everything. And this other author just showed up. And, uh, and my author said to me, wow, like she's traditionally published, but it doesn't look like she's got that same support that mm-hmm. I'm getting. And so I'm not saying this just to toot my own horn, but if you're, if you're, if you have that entrepreneurial streak in you as an indie author, you can actually make things happen that probably if you're a traditionally published author who doesn't get the support because it's always that catch 22, right? I mean, publishers are businesses. They want to put their money behind authors who are going to make the money. But how do you know? Maybe you have right. a real diamond in the rough, but if you never give that author a chance, it's just, it's just, it's, it's, it's not easy to, to overcome that catch 22. Absolutely agree. All right. So then let's talk about marketing because as you just said, it's something that all writers have to do and embrace because again, even if you're traditionally published, you know, unless you're super big, they're not doing a heck of a lot for you. Right. Yeah. So how do you coach authors to approach marketing? What, what are some of the things you've seen work best? So one of the first things I do is I always, well, usually if we're publishing the book, our collaboration has already been lasting a few months, which gives us an opportunity to get to know the author. And the reason this is important is I find, especially nowadays, there's just this information overload that happens. People are reading one blog post and they're looking at this YouTube video. Oh, I got to be on TikTok. I have to do this. I have to be on podcasts. I've got to be posting on social. Oh, I should get AI to narrate my audiobook. And it's just it's just insane. And you can drive yourself crazy because there's like serious FOMO happening, fear of missing out. If I'm not doing this now, I'm going to miss it completely. And I just always tell authors far better to decide on one or two avenues and excel at those than open up a bunch of social media accounts, get everything started. Cause there's always that honeymoon phase that I call, you know, when your book is first out, you've got things going on, you have a nice website, you've got your social media going, everyone's buying your book. But then what you really require in the long run is that endurance to sustain all of that and to be consistent. And if you spread yourself too thin from the get go, 
you're just really setting yourself up for failure and discouragement because then what happens, and I, I've seen this happen even with authors I work with, oh, I guess I just couldn't keep it going. And I'm thinking, yeah, but don't give up. It's just maybe you wanted to do too much. So, I mean, definitely, I think a website is really important for any author. At the end of the day, you know, social media can come and go when we're always seeing trends. But having a website, that's your own real estate on the web. Even if you want to keep it simple, even if you don't want to blog or have a newsletter, although I would argue mailing lists are still very valuable for authors, but definitely have a website. But as far as social media, podcasting, do I start writing out a newsletter? Do I do I do bookstore signings? I think a lot of it depends on who you are and where your market is. I, I, I So I always, step one is always figure out what you want to do and what feels natural to you because I have authors that I regularly tease you should you should start doing podcasts and I don't know Alex I'm, I'm too nervous I'm too shy and that's okay it's better that you know that then you suddenly put all this stress on yourself so the first thing I would say is definitely just know who you are but also recognize that long-term marketing and endurance are going to be so much more important than those first few months. The first few months are great. You want to make a splash, go for it. But you know what's really nice about being an indie author is you have that control. You don't have that 90-day window and then all of a sudden, okay, well, I guess my publisher is now turning their attention and investment elsewhere. You can revive books all the time. And if you if your book's been out for three, four months, but for whatever reason, you weren't able to properly properly do a launch, you can do it four months later. No one's going to say, what are you doing? This book's already been out for a few months. There's the window never closes. So just relax a little bit and breathe so that you don't feel that you have to do everything at once. And you can add things and remove things as you go along, but just realize marketing, unless you have a marketing machine behind you that is doing everything for you, you need to have that endurance and you need to have that patience, because I've seen that too, where authors, oh, you know, it's been three months, things aren't happening and they genuinely get really discouraged. And that always surprises me. No, no, you, you're not the only one out there. And sometimes I, I do still run into authors who feel that they're the only one out there and their book is just the human race is waiting for their book. And I'm thinking, no, no, we have to, we have to get real here for a second, but just longevity is really, really important when it comes to marketing. I would say so, much more so than just having a lot of ammunition in the first few months. Yeah, that's really good advice because I know, you know, especially, maybe not especially, I'm not sure, but in, in traditional publishing, we think a lot about the launches, right? And then the, the always on piece is kind of in the back of our minds and sometimes we get to it and sometimes we don't, right? So um, what you're saying is... Uh, there's not really a difference between the launch and the always on type of marketing. It should just be kind of ongoing. Both of it should, should be continuous. Absolutely. I totally, totally agree. And, and it's, it's, it, it's, it's frustrating sometimes for me because, you know, we're not, we offer marketing support, but there are plenty of authors who also say, well, no, I'll just get started on my own and I'll see. And, I mean, we all know life gets in the way. It's really tough. But I know I have authors who've been doing certain things. And like I have a children's author and she wrote a book about triplets. And so, so one of the things she decided to do was I'll just do a blog and I'll feature other parents who have multiples, tr uh, twins, triplets, and I'll feature these moms and these dads. And 
that has actually ended up being a really cool marketing vehicle for her. But it didn't just happen after the first or second blog post. She's been doing this now for a couple of years. So you have to be patient. It's so important to be patient. Yeah, no, agree. And just to go back to something you said before about mailing lists, I mean, as we saw with what happened with Twitter, um, we can't rely on social media for our audience, right? We have to have an email list with emails of people who gave them to us and that we kind of are able to Absolutely. use. Totally. And every expert will tell you that. I mean, I see it. I, I subscribe to plenty of newsletters from other gurus and whatnot from people in the industry. And they're always saying the same thing. You have to build your mailing list. And that's a really important thing to do. And what's interesting is sometimes authors underestimate. I find especially fiction authors, sometimes they'll say, well, does anyone really care about what my writing process is or what was the inspiration behind this character? But readers really enjoy and appreciate those stories. They like to connect. They want to feel like they know the author. So yes, sharing bits of you that are still somehow relevant and even not like readers, especially of fiction, it's so important to build that relationship as I'm sure you'll probably agree and don't underestimate what readers will find interesting, but it's tough. I think by nature, a lot of us writers, I don't want to speak for all of us, but especially fiction writers, I find some of the most talented writers, they're, they're kind of on the shy side. They, they kind of just want to be quiet and they're not necessarily comfortable with that attention. So maybe going back to marketing and as far as marketing advice goes, you have to get comfortable with that because unless you're satisfied just knowing your book is out there, you need to be out there a little bit. Absolutely. A thousand percent. Like the top two questions I get when I'm talking to readers is mm -hmm. where, where do you get your ideas? And what's your writing process? Oh, when do you write? Exactly, How long? Exactly. Yeah. They really enjoy those. Those yes. are so, such popular questions. And you can write about that and you can share that with your readers and they will find it really interesting. So, yes. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. So you said you have tips on how an author can become an Amazon bestseller. So do tell. Okay, so the first thing I'm always transparent about with authors when it comes to the Amazon bestseller campaigns is the objective here is not to be a bestseller because to be honest with you, and I think you'll agree, Amazon bestseller status in itself, it's not really a bragging right. Definitely hitting the New York Times, that's a bragging right, right? I mean, there are certain bestseller lists that really count. The reason we like to help authors score high on Amazon ranking really primarily is just to gain some visibility for their book. So one of the first things is it's all about really leveraging Amazon categories. So when you're publishing on KDP, you're only allowed to pick two categories and they tend to be very generic, you know, not really, really specific. But if you do an audit of Amazon categories and you're, you can assign another eight to your book listing, you're really able to narrow down those categories. So you're not just competing in a general thriller category with hundreds of thousands of other authors. So that's the first thing. And then, of course, it's about promoting your book. So there are a lot of high traffic mailing lists that do this for you. And what we do is we guide the author and we place the, the, the ad in an appropriate mailing list. And then what we do is we run that campaign for a very short period of time. So what that does is, yes, it boosts your Amazon ranking, but most importantly, and this is what we always tell our authors, you can get your book in the hands of hundreds, if not thousands of people. 
And then, of course, the whole idea is that if you we actually recommend people do this a few times a year, because at least at the outset, if it's your first first book, you just want people to know about you. And then once you've published another book, if you end up publishing another book and it's comparable in terms of theme or genre to your first book, you can also use that as a way to reignite interest. And, oh, they've written another book, which is also why we always recommend, especially to fiction authors, think about writing another book. I, I'm, I'm always a little hesitant because I don't like treating authors like book mills. You know, it's not about just, you got to pump out books. And I actually have a few authors who just, they feel, no, no, I can't even think about marketing until I've done 10 books. So I don't, I don't necessarily subscribe to that whole school of thought, but certainly having more than one book is definitely a smart way to go because if uh, if a reader you know you know really enjoys book number book two even if it's not part of a series but you've written another book that's in a similar genre then you're able to allow that book to piggyback so the whole idea with the bestseller campaigns and we're very honest about that is it's not so much about the ranking although we do we do score regularly easily in the top three of categories but it's about all those people who now have your book and allowing time for word of mouth. And once again, it's time, right? Because we have to think about, we have to think about human nature. I mean, I still have books on my bookshelf that I haven't gotten around to. I'm a lot of (laughs) us are like that, right? So just because somebody has acquired your book, they might not read it next week or even next month. So again, it's about patience. So I would never recommend a bestseller campaign as your only marketing tool, but it's certainly a great way to give a nice boost at the beginning and doing them in increments of, let's say, every quarter or twice a year and definitely doing it again once you have a new book out. It's really, really not a bad idea. Yeah. Oh, that's really good advice. (laughs) So if an author is looking to find someone like you, how, what, what do you suggest they do? How do they start? How do they vet people? Right. Cause I'm, I'm guessing that there's a lot of people out there who are doing this kind of work. So what should they be looking for? Yes. So the first thing I would recommend is find out whether you really want to be independently published and truly being independently published means that you are the publisher. Because what people have to understand is that if you're working with a publishing partner and they still are charging you fees, but they are actually the publisher, you don't have as much control as you think you might have. So all of a sudden you've paid to publish your book, but understand what the actual royalty agreement is. So, because I I've just, I find Again, the word publisher is so overused and it's used to apply to so many different business models. If someone is is charging you money, but they're also in certain ways owning your book, what are they bringing to the table? And this is where the whole hybrid publishing model comes into play because there are some very legitimate hybrid publishing models out there. But just be aware that if you're in there, you're not really self-publishing anymore. You are being published by someone else. And so if you're paying money, what are you getting in return? There should be some contribution from the publishing partner. And if there isn't, then I really recommend a, a partner like us, I mean, it's it's not a sales pitch, but just you get that support from a team of experts, but you retain control and vet 
vet publishers. I mean, I was just I was just introduced to a, a, a publisher the other day. And you have to be really careful nowadays because you can give yourself an address in Los Angeles or in New York City, but they might not even be in the country. They might be somewhere else. And you, it's so easy to go in disguise on the web. And even it's funny because even sometimes client reviews, you have to be really careful about those because sometimes they're written in such a manner that they just don't ring like a genuine client testimonial. So you have to really dig deep. Um, I recommend Writer Beware. You might be familiar with Writer Beware. It's a great blog. She does a wonderful job of really flagging. It's not just publishing, but, you know, book contests, you know, awards. Oh, we want to turn your book into a Netflix series. The list goes on and on. But just be aware of who you're partnering with and understand what you're getting. That's so important because by the same token, some authors come to me saying, I published with so-and-so and, oh, they just took my money and they're not doing any marketing for me. Okay, well, were they going to do any marketing for you? Because sometimes authors just assume that things will just happen. But if you're not reading your contract, they're not really doing anything wrong. They're not, you know, you, you just didn't understand what the deliverables were. Yeah. So in that vein, yeah. do you think authors would benefit from having um, like a literary attorney to look over their contracts if they don't have an agent? Yeah, that's actually really not a bad idea. There's also information that you can find online, but certainly at the very least, really take your time to look through the contract because I find some authors don't really read their own contract, much less understand them. So certainly getting a bit of legal insight is really not a bad idea. I mean, we're very transparent with our contracts and if authors want to consult an attorney, they come back to us, we clarify certain things, but transparency is really important and really digging deep. So cover design. Okay. So how customized is the cover design? You know, if you're expecting true customization, but you're not paying as much, so you think you're getting a good deal, but then suddenly you're disappointed because you're limited to five templates. Well, you shouldn't be because that's what was in the contract. So it's all about interpreting. And by the same token, I, I know that there are peers in the industry who aren't very transparent about what authors are getting because maybe it's not in their interest to be transparent. Yeah. But dig 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 yeah. yeah no that's really good advice you can't just take anything at face value absolutely not especially not today nope <laughs> yeah test the phone number test the phone number because that's that's something that's incredible I will sometimes get authors who say well I tried this phone number no one's answering my calls and then you do a bit of digging and you find out oh well there's no one really at that phone number. I mean, it's not to be negative. It's not to be sin, but it's just, it's the reality. But by the same token, there are plenty of us in the industry who are very committed to providing that full support with integrity and, and professionalism and all of that. It's just authors have to be careful because by the same token, it's not fair to just make a blanketed statement that, oh, just do it all on your own because everyone is out there to scam you. That's not really true either. And that's where the homework comes in, because I always cringe when I hear authors say that, you know, I'll, I belong to Facebook groups and I'll see people talk and no, 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 there's no reason to pay anyone to do your book cover. You can do it yourself. Mm. I wouldn't, I, I disagree with that, you know? So, yeah. yeah. Well, same with yeah. editing, right? You don't want to just, like you said oh earlier, gosh. you can't, you, you can't rely on your first draft. You maybe can't rely on your fifth draft either. No, and you need to have no. somebody real editing it. <laughs> Somebody real and somebody was going to be objective because I've had authors say, no, 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 I, I, I've shown this manuscript to several people and they all love it. 
okay, well, you have a choice. You can believe them or you can believe professionals who don't have any kind of a personal connection to you and their commitment is just to tell you if your manuscript's any good or not. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. So thank you so much for being here. Tell me or tell us where we can all find you online. Sure, absolutely. So um, you can visit our website. It's www.axelauthorservices.com. And that's Axel, two A's, X-E-L, authorservices.com. I also always like to hear from writers personally. So I always invite people to drop me an email. My email address is Alexa, A-L-E-X-A, at axelauthorservices.com. And, um, and yeah, you can find out a lot about us on our website and drop us a line. Awesome. I'll put the link in the show notes too. Thank thank you you so much for coming. This was so informational and instructive and all of the things. So I know that everyone will be really happy to get this inside look into how book coaches work and, you know, all of the things that they can, that they can get help with on their journey to publishing. So thank you. Perfect. Thank you so much, Liz. This was a lot of fun. Thank you for having me. So how is that guys? I hope you found the information that Alexa provided valuable and that it brings you one step closer to determining your publishing path if that's where you're at in your writing career. I'd love to hear what resonated most with you on this episode. So let me know over on my Instagram page. You can shoot me a DM. You'll find that link along with a link to Alexa's information and Axel Author Services in the show notes. And if you like the show, give it a rating. Um, If you haven't subscribed yet, please do so. That way you never miss an episode. And that way, you know, we can get this podcast circulating and get it into the ears of anyone who needs it. So thanks for tuning in and I'll see you next week.